But what do they say? Here's the claim. They say the natural order of things, which you're saying is the definition of a miracle, that they're either suspended or directed, can't happen. Can't be directed and it can't be suspended. And I'm saying, but they say it has. Okay, here's my response. And again, here's what I'm trying to teach. I'm not trying to teach you quantum mechanics or philosophy. I'm trying to give you some simple tools to respond to people who are saying things like, I don't think miracles can happen. And by that, I mean, I don't believe that the natural order can be suspended and I don't believe the natural order can be directed. And I'm saying, well, let's start with that claim that you don't think it can ever be altered. And I'm saying, well, you say it has been. And here's the, here's the issue. The problem of existence, as I put before and others have put it before me, it's the problem of having something existing rather than nothing existing. We have a problem with that because we know what exists is temporal. We understand that. There's no one that's going to deny that. Not anymore. They used to believe in what's called the steady state theory or uniformitarianism, which meant that existence is eternal. Well, we know we're not eternal because no one's ever lived forever on this planet, but we believe that the stuff of the universe is eternal, but now no one's going to say that. So we have a problem of being, of existing. We have a problem of, of something being here. And that problem of existence is, is huge. It's a big problem. So today, at least the common theory today, of course, is 13.7 billion years ago, this thing all got started. And what I often like to point out when the theories of the origins of the universe are bandied about as they are, and people want to say very emphatically, here's what happened, you're going to have to deal with what every single, every single theorist, astronomical theorist, every, every biological theorist, everyone gets down to talking about the milliseconds, the, 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 the milli, I mean, just a milli, milli, milliseconds after the singularity explodes or expands, and that's not even a technical word because you can't really use that in the common definition of the word explode, but when you have the quote-unquote big bang, which was a dismissive term initially that is caught on, but you've got the problem of what happened, and everyone's going to talk about this in, in, in the discipline of speaking of the origins of the universe. And you're always going to get down to some statement that's going to sound like this. And I think I pulled this one right off of, of the great left-leaning Wikipedia. And you can find this in almost any description of how this all got started in those milliseconds of an expanding universe that's expanding faster than the speed of light. Which, by the way, listen to that statement that I just made. That the universe from the singularity is expanding faster than the speed of light. The first thing you ought to do as any high school student is raise your hand and say, I thought nothing could go faster than the speed of light. And what happens when it does? Well, I don't know, but we assume that it does. And you're going to get around to this just by asking that question. You're going to have this emphatic statement made. Other laws of physics existed at the start of the Big Bang, which created the conditions for matter to occur. Now, you got that in one form or another in every hypothesis about how the universe got started. So we have a problem of existence. And the problem of existence is you're saying natural order does not alter. It can't, it can't be suspended and it can't be directed. There's no God outside tinkering with the universe. And then you say, how did we get here? Because we exist 
And they say, well, we figured this out, Redshift and Hubble, and we have all this about the collider over there in Europe. And so we've kind of figured this out now, and it's called the Big Bang. And I'm sorry you're such a primitive Christian and you think that we got here in some other way, but there was a thing called the Big Bang. And so we know this, that everything got to be here through the Big Bang. Don't you know that? Everyone knows that. Have you not watched TV? Everyone knows that. And my question is, when it comes to the problem of existence, is what exists, we know, is temporal. And if what exists is temporal, we want to know how we got here to start with. There had to be something. And so here's the something. It's called the Big Bang. How did the conditions start? Even if I'm going to accept everything about your theory of cosmology, how did it start? Well, it started by a set of rules that we don't have that don't play according to the rules. There's a, a book, Evolution Evolves, could be the title. You'll look it up for me real quick. I just, I like the book only because it says exactly, really, what everyone has to deal with. And that is that you cannot take any snapshot of the origins of the universe from a non-supernatural perspective. We would call it a naturalistic perspective. You can't have that, right, without evolving your story. And I don't mean it evolved through time from Darwin to modern physicists. I'm not saying that. Of course it has. Evolution evolves. The theory of evolution evolves. But no, we're talking about the fact of how this works evolves, which means the rules change. And if you're going to change the rules, you're going to get back to when all of this started and talk about a set of rules that don't play by the rules. And all I'm saying is, you've just altered what you say is an unalterable reality. And I didn't want to get into all the stuff I normally do in philosophy about... Uh, David Hume, Scottish philosopher, 17th century, who um, in his inquiries book on his chapter on, on miracles gives his philosophical argument. But the premise of the argument that has, it was rewarmed in his day and it continues to be quoted by every atheist I hear online, and, and that is one of the, 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 the premise is that the laws of the universe, the order of the universe does not alter. And all I want to say and all I'm trying to say is you claim it has been altered, that it does alter. At least it altered at the beginning and no one's going to concede that. And so they're going to say, well, it had to alter because we're here. And I'm going, exactly, that's my point. You have the problem of existence. Why is there something rather than nothing? And we've got the problem of how that got here. And if you're going to say, well, we'll figure that out. You're still going to have to have, I don't see any way around the fact that there are no rules other than rules that you're going to say don't play by the rules. So at least that opens a door to saying, well, let's just think about this. I guess the natural order, can't, you can't say it cannot alter, it did alter. And I'm saying it still does. Now we may feel like we're going to be more philosophical now, and I'm sorry about that, but a little bit of thought even from your next door neighbor is going to at least get you to think Okay, the natural order does alter. And I'll call the first one the problem of existence. I'll call this one the problem of life. We have a problem of, called life, which transcends the natural order, if you think about it. I dealt with this a couple years ago on Easter weekend. But I want you to think about the problem of life. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be a bad exercise. I think it's like the word culture. We use the word life all the time, and it's like, well, of course we know what that means. Do you know what that means? Think about it for a second. What in the world is life? 
Well, you know it when you see it. Well, you're right, but what is it? You've got a problem. To talk about a natural order that does not alter, every time we make the distinction between life and non-life, we've got the problem that is laid out for us with the proposed solution in Genesis chapter 1, 2, 1 and 2. And that is the second recapitulation of the story in Revelation 2, it expands upon it, gets very clear instead of just saying God made man in his own image. He says here now, here's the means by which he created human beings. God formed the man of the dust of the ground. Okay, I get that, at least looking back on it now, in a world of temporal matter, I understand temporal matter, at least how it works. Here's the part I don't understand. And here's the part we still don't understand in the day of iPhones and iPads. We don't understand this. And breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. That we can't figure out. We don't know what that means. That's Genesis 2-7, and we're saying, oh, I know life when I see it. There's a living creature right there. You're right, there's a living creature right there. But what is that? How does that work? Because all the same chemicals, I know it immediately starts to degenerate and change and, and, and decompose at the moment of death, but all the same cells in a dead frog are there in the living frog, but there's a difference between the living frog and the dead frog. There's a big difference between them. And you start reading about this, you start to recognize we don't quite know what we're talking about when we're talking about living and dead. We can only describe things like temperature regulation, like reproduction, you know, like, like cell generation. But we can't explain that. And all I'm saying is, if you're saying that natural order does not alter, natural order alters every time there's life as compared to death. <laughs> 